But if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to be opening to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. It's uh, wonderful to have our, our kids in here today with no children's worship. And so I encourage you, kiddos, if you'll follow along. And uh, if you take some notes, send them to me. And, and uh, I'll be sure to have the children's minister send you something. Uh, so grateful. Grateful for you being in here today. I was reading in Genesis this week and realized that uh, there's no way that the Garden of Eden could have been in Alabama because Genesis 3 says that the Lord walked in the cool of the day. And so here we are. Uh, but so grateful to be in this series, uh, World Game Changer, as we've been kind of taking this series and using the backdrop of the World Games, which begin this week, finally, after we've been talking about it for a few weeks on Thursday, the World Games in Birmingham. Over 100 nations will be present here in our city. 3,600 athletes will be here in our city. And so uh, looking forward to, to hearing about that, seeing that. Um, but uh, we realize that, that the kingdom of God is made up of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So you see all the flags that are represented behind me on the stage. And, and as, we, as we think about that backdrop in, in context of, of these messages that are, we're walking through in this series, I want us to continue to, to move forward with our vision in mind. We stated months ago that our vision is to see kingdom-devoted disciples, making disciples of nations and generations. Uh, I love the song that we, the old hymn we sang just a few moments ago, Fairest Lord Jesus, and, and that verse 4. Uh, Lord of the nations. And, and what a beautiful picture that is as we think about uh, the kingdom of God and being a part of that. And so um, it's, it's in Jesus's most well-known sermon, Matthew 5, 6, uh, and 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we, we see that Jesus kind of starts the sermon off uh, with blessing. And then in Matthew chapter 6, he, he talks about not doing something, and he talks about doing something. One of the things that he talks about doing in Matthew 6, is to seek first the kingdom of God. And so it's one of the reasons that, that we put the word kingdom first in our vision statement. But Jesus doesn't just say this out of nowhere. It comes with the context. And so uh, anytime that we think about a passage of Scripture, we really have to, to look at it in context. And so we see that the context is the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters, but even within that context, there is another context that's going on, because a few verses earlier in Matthew 6.25, Jesus tells the listeners of the sermon not to worry. Do not worry. And this is a, an interesting phrase. It's an interesting thing because, you know, a, a lot of us think, well, that's easier said than done, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just leave us with this, hey, don't do that. As children, as students, I would venture to say even as adults, how many of us like to hear the words, don't do that? <laughs> Some of us buck up when we hear that. Like, if you're going to tell me not to do something, well, uh, you know, I'll show you. Uh, now, certainly the, the, the phrase, don't do that, is appropriate at times. You know, like if one of your children decides to cut their own hair. That may or may not have happened at our house this week. Um, don't do that, okay? That's not, that's not a good idea. Um, but Jesus doesn't just leave us with, hey, the, the don't do. He, he, he starts the sermon with blessing, and then even in the midst of this, hey, do not worry, 
he gives us something to focus on. He says, seek first the kingdom. And all these things are going to be added to you. So you're worrying about what you're going to eat. You're worrying about what you're going to wear. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Have you ever considered that your devotion to seeking God's kingdom may be the answer to someone else's heartfelt worry? Let that sink in just a moment. Your devotion to seeking first the kingdom may be the answer to someone else's heartfelt worry. You say, what do you mean? Well, most of us have no idea what it would be like to have to uproot our family and children and flee to another country for refuge, to become a refugee. Most of us have no context for that. We can't even imagine what that would be like. But can you imagine getting a bucket of supplies in the midst of that unthinkable, unspeakable circumstance that you get a bucket of supplies that just has some items that you may need for the day? And you read a note in there that someone is praying for you. You read a note that, that God loves you. I, can you imagine just receiving that in the context of, of such a difficult circumstance? I'm thankful for a kingdom-minded missions team who takes seriously a kingdom where freedom is proclaimed to prisoners, where those who are suffering are not forgotten but are cared for. I'm thankful for a kingdom-minded local outreach team, our outreach ministry team leader and Minister really, Willie Christman, who walked us through our communion thoughts just a, a moment ago, a beautiful uh, imaging prayer of who Jesus is and the reality that he, he walked through. But I'm thankful for a kingdom-minded local outreach team where loving your neighbor is not just a Bible verse that you quote, but a kingdom reality that you can live. Where someone who may be worried about food for the week can come and receive at one of our mobile food pantries sustenance for the week, food for the week, or our ongoing under the bridge ministry where someone who's unable or unwilling to care for their child has a resource like Lifeline Children's Services, one of our partners, who will be holding training sessions here in this building this year. Or one of the ministry partners that we partner with, uh, Agape, that many of you are familiar with and have have supported along the way these past several years. No doubt these services have been and will continue to become increasingly critical and God may be calling someone here today to get more involved with Lifeline or Agape. And I would encourage us to be in prayer about. And the question becomes, will, will we step up and will we seek first the unshakable kingdom? And at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, after these three chapters, most powerful sermon ever preached, in Matthew 7, verse 28 and 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, do you remember that last week we talked about these five discourses in the book of Matthew, and each one of them ends the same. You have a discourse, and then you have this phrase, when Jesus had finished saying these things. And so we know at the end of Matthew 7, when this phrase pops up, Matthew is telling us this is the end of one of those discourses. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. 
and not as their teachers of the law. And in the very next chapter in Matthew 8, this is where, where we've been moving all, all the way through this sermon so far. Matthew gives us this picture of what it looks like to submit to the authority of Jesus. What does Jesus' authority look like in practice? What does Jesus' authority look like on the street? So Matthew gives us these two short stories that involve a leper and a centurion soldier. And in verse 5, we see this, this Gentile army commander living locally in Capernaum. And here's the story that we read in verse 5, Matthew 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. May God bless the reading of his word. How did a Gentile army commander come to believe that Jesus had the same authority over diseases that he had over his soldiers? Have you ever considered how this army commander came to believe this? Came to, to be able to display such faith. There's one subtle detail in the text that I love, and it's, it's in verse 1. We skipped right over it in chapter 8. In verse 1, it says that Jesus came down from the mountainside. Just, just like Moses had come down from the mountain with the ta tablets, Matthew paints this beautiful imagery of Jesus coming down the mountain after he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. Yet in the midst of what Jesus is doing, coming down off the mountain, he's not carrying any tablets with him. He's not carrying the law with him because he is the law. Do you see this parallel that's going on? And so in the midst of the crowd, a leper approaches Jesus, kneels before him, and for the first time in Matthew, we've, we've gone seven whole chapters for the first time in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 8, Jesus is referred to as Lord. 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 Kyrios. Jesus heals the man, and then Jesus enters the town of Capernaum. You'll see a few pictures on the screen. If you go to Israel today, this is the sign you'll see as you walk into Capernaum. You'll see how it's spelled. The locals pronounce it Kaparneum. Kop, Kaparneum. That's how they, they pronounce it. I still call it Capernaum because that's what my VBS teachers taught me, right? 
But if you walk into town, you'll see, you go right through that gate and then you, you take a left and you'll see this next picture, which is a, a synagogue that would have uh, been, been present that was unearthed. Uh, this was not the actual synagogue in Jesus' day. The, the foundation of the synagogue was there in Jesus' day, but this is a synagogue that was built in the fourth century. And if you keep walking around the town, you'll, you'll see this next picture, which is believed to be Peter's house. Now, we can't confirm that, uh, but there was uh, graphics and, and things that were written uh, in the house that, that said Peter and, and said Jesus' Lord had different things that some, some archaeologists believe that this could have been Peter's house. But this is the town where, where Jesus is. And if you go to Galilee today, if you f flew into Tel Aviv and you kind of made your way up the, the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea, it'd be about an hour and a half drive from Tel Aviv over to Galilee. And you get over to Galilee, all this is pretty, pretty close in proximity. I mean, you have the Sea of Galilee, and then you have the town of, of, of Capernaum not, not too far away. Uh, you, you have Nazareth is not too far away from here. It's, it's all pretty drivable. Uh, I visited uh, Elaboon, which is where one of our, our members grew up and, and where the Galilee Christian School is. And, 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 and there's all this area just right kind of in the midst of, 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 of each other, kind of close proximity. And this is where Jesus encounters this centurion soldier, this, this Roman commander of an army. And he comes up and he, he's asking Jesus to heal his servant. And then Jesus, before this, has just told the leper, hey, don't, don't tell anyone. And so it's this really curious scene. You have, have Jesus telling, hey, hey, I healed you, but don't tell anybody about it. We, we see this kind of secrecy motif a lot in the Gospel of Mark, but it's even present here in, in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus is saying, shh, you know, don't tell anybody. And we, we think in our minds, well, that doesn't make any sense. I, I think you should tell everybody what Jesus is doing. I love how scholar Stanley Hauerwas says it. In his commentary, he says that Jesus cannot help but display the power that is his. But those who would follow him only because he is a person of power will fail to understand the kind of Lord that he is. So a few verses later, this officer of the Roman army, this non-Israelite, addresses Jesus as Lord, and he understands lordship. He gets what it means to be a Lord, even in early on in Jesus' ministry, he understands who he needs to call. Uh, this past year on the coast of South Carolina in the town of Mount Pleasant, getting a vaccine was, was anything but pleasant uh, because of the long lines. And there was uh, lines that were, were taking literally hours for people to get through just to, to get their vaccine. And so Mayor Will Haney called in Jerry Walkawick. And Mr. Walkawick was able to get the drive-through line wait from over an hour down to less than 15 minutes. You'll see a picture of Jerry Walkawick. He's a manager of the local Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Mayor Will Haney knew who to call. Somebody say my pleasure. <laughs> he knew who to call. He knew who to go to in order to fix this problem. This Roman soldier knew who to ask for help. How did he know? I mean, this is early in Jesus' ministry. How, how, did, he, how did he come to, to see the authority of Jesus? How did he come to display such great faith in this moment that Jesus would say, I'm not, not seeing this kind of faith even in my own people? I love it when kind of somebody new, God brings somebody new into our midst. 
and maybe they, they place their trust in Christ and receive him and are, are buried in the waters of baptism with him. And, and I just see that kind of this newfound energy, this newfound faith. And, and sometimes I'm, I'm kind of convicted because I feel like, man, I, I don't, you know, I, I wish I need, I need to get some of that, that newfoundness back. You know, do you remember when you were baptized? Do you remember what that? You remember when you placed your faith and your trust in Christ? Maybe it was a few weeks ago, maybe it was several years ago. But do, do you remember? I want to ask us just a, a couple of questions. The first one is this, is what are you doing right now that requires faith? What are you doing right now that requires faith? Jesus says that this type of faith distinguishes those who experience the kingdom party and those who are thrown out in the darkness. I've been amazed at the examples of faith that I've, I've witnessed just this past week here among this church. We had a family that, that gave $1,000 to our hospital department ministry this week. A ministry that, that helps folks who come from more than 50 miles outside of the city of Birmingham to seek medical treatment. And they're provided with a free place to stay. I learned just this morning that another one of our members saw a news report of a, of a devastating loss of a loved one and then the, another loved one who was, was fighting for their life. She made a decision to reach out, make a few phone calls, and that family is going to be staying in our hospital apartment starting this week. I've seen this week, uh, had a cup of coffee with a young lady exploring missions, had four different members experience health concerns this week, and each one of them making mention of their faith and their trust in the Lord. I witnessed one of our members dropping off seven buckets for Ukraine this week because she had, had gathered her community and, and had her neighbors get involved, and so she was bringing their buckets in. I couldn't help but think about the, the woman at the well who went and told the whole town about what Jesus had done. Had a great meeting with some other church leaders who prayed over me in this church. Even had lunch with Kevin this week. I'm always encouraged by Kevin's faith. We broke hibachi together and it was, it was quite wonderful. But that's just to name a few. That, that's just this week. I'm not cataloging things that have happened all year long. That's just this week of what God's been up to. Question number two, what does it look like to recognize and submit to the authority of Jesus? How long has it been since you considered that question? What does it look like to, to recognize and submit to the authority of Jesus? Our family decided to take a hike this past week over at Oak Mountain. And it was a, I knew it was going to be a four mile hike. We've never done a four mile hike as a family together. We've done three miles, never done four miles. A hike, uphill, both ways. <laughs> and so we, we get about three fourths of the way up. We're going to a place called King's Chair. Some of you may have been there at Oak Mountain. We get about three-fourths of the way up on this hike. Everybody's doing, doing pretty good. And we uh, encounter a fellow hiker, an older gentleman, 
And he asked me if I've ever been up to King's chair before. You'll see a picture of, of him here. He asked me if I've ever I've been up. I said, yes, sir, I've, I've been up there, but it's been a few years. And he says, well, do you know the best spot? Do you know the best view in King's chair? I said, I, I think I do. Like, I've been there before. Like, I'm pretty sure. And he said, well, tell you what, just follow me. I'll, I'll show you where it is. So he proceeds to, to take off, and we're following. He's already been up there, and he's come back down. Now he's going back up to, to show us the way. Takes us all the way up, finds the best spot. We're, we're looking over the uh, King's Chair overlook, and we're, we're seeing all this. He's pointing out stuff. Hey, there's the, there's the Chelsea Park uh, clock tower. You can see it from up here. There's Highway 280. You know, pray for people who drive Highway 280s. He says, you know, there that is. And then, then he says, oh, okay, here, over here's Pelham, you know, and, and here's some stuff over here. And he's just showing us, pointing us out all this stuff. And he takes the obligatory, you know, family photo that you have to have up there. Make sure the kids don't get too close to the cliff, you know, when we take the picture. And he did all this, and then and he said, you know, I'm going to leave it with you. I'm gone. Come to find out. Uh, he had hiked King's Chair 236 times this past year. <laughs> what? Like, who does that? You know, like he, he knew a thing or two. He, was, he, he knew a thing or two about going up to, to King's Chair. And just in, in this moment, I got this small little glimpse of, of what it was like for these early disciples to follow a man that they barely knew. To follow Jesus, what does it look like to recognize and submit to the authority of Jesus? In His Steps was a book published in 1896, one of the best-selling books of all time, over 50 million copies. The main character is the Reverend Henry Maxwell in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, the congregation is confronted by a homeless man uh, who uh, wants to challenge the congregation about their lack of compassion and, and their apathetic stance toward the marginalized in the community. And so the homeless man gets up and he confronts the whole church just right in front of the pulpit. And then he collapses. And a few days later he dies. And, and the preacher is just kind of faced with this, this reality of what they've just experienced. And so the next Sunday the, the preacher comes back and he challenges the congregation. And he says these words, he said, I want us to not do anything without asking the question, what would Jesus do? So you thought this was a phrase that came from the 1990s. This was actually a phrase that was birthed in the 1890s. What would Jesus do? So he challenged his congregation, said, for one year, this is what we're going to do. Any decision that we make, we're going to ask this question, what would Jesus do? And so the rest of the novel, the rest of the story is about this episode after episode of people in the congregation actually living that out, actually asking that question before they made decisions. And so what if followers of Jesus started asking that question again? I dare you to ask that question this week. When you encounter someone in need, uh, when you get frustrated with a coworker or a spouse or a child, when you see something on social media that someone posts that is hurtful or just dumb, 
when you are tempted to sin, when you're tempted to stay out of it and not get involved, when you're tempted to to feel uh, anxious about something or, or you do feel anxious about something, when you are deciding how to spend your money, when you're filling out your calendar, when you're fill in the blank, what, what would Jesus do? So the last question that I'll have for us today is that as we celebrate the independence of our nation, may we reflect on the question, what does it mean to call Jesus Lord and live in dependence of him? What does it mean for your life? What does it mean for your week? What does it mean for your family? What does it mean for your household? What does it mean as you go to the various places that you find yourself? Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Will you stand with me as we say the Lord's Prayer together? I'm going to invite the praise team if they'll be making their way up as well. We've shared this prayer together every week so far in this sermon series. And I want us to continue to reflect on the words of Jesus' prayer, but also seriously ask the question what it means to live this prayer. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you have a prayer need this morning, if one of our shepherds can to sit with you and pray with you. They'd love to do that down front or back here in this room in the chapel. If today's the day that you want to name Jesus as Lord and begin your journey with him, we'd love to celebrate that with you. Come as we sing this song.